all from Las Vegas. <laughs> First of all, I want to thank uh, Keith and Sue for inviting me to, to come and uh, speak to a, a lot of my friends and see a lot of my friends that uh, some of them I haven't seen in a while. And uh, I'm grateful uh, to the program. I, uh, I started doing the things most of us do when I was nine years old uh, on the streets of Long Beach, California. And uh, it just progressively got worse. I was raised by the, by the state of California uh, till, uh well, the last time I got out of the penitentiary was 1972. So from uh, nine years old, at, which would have been 1955 till 72, I, I went in and out. As a juvenile, I went to the juvenile authorities and then uh, and on up. So I'm not going to give a... a a big drug log or uh, uh, what I did, we all know what we do. So uh, what I want to really talk about is is uh, when I was new. I was in a rehab center in uh, the city of Orange, a place called the care unit. And uh, I, I had a little job, and, uh, and the foreman kept telling me, Joe, if you got a problem... Uh, there's a place where you can go that our insurance will pay for it. You can get some help. And I, I would say, uh, no, I ain't got no problem. I, I just have a hard time getting to work on Monday morning. And uh, usually my work week started on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, and they didn't, they didn't take too kind of that. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I had been married and, uh, and, uh, my ex-wife had custody of my two boys, my two sons, and they lived. Uh, they moved back to Michigan, uh, and I was out here in California running amok. In nineteen, uh, the latter part of nineteen, the, the end of the school year, nineteen seventy-nine, uh, my boys came out to spend the summer with me, and. Uh, they never went back. When uh, when when the summer was over and they were supposed to go back, uh, my ex-wife didn't want them back. So uh, I was stuck raising two uh, two little boys. Uh, it didn't stop me from doing the things that we do, uh, and it continued on until uh, until I went in that that uh, rehab center. And the way I got there was I came to on a in July on a on a uh, about two thirty in the morning and July in California is warm uh, but for some reason the furnace was on in our apartment I had a little two bedroom apartment in Fullerton and uh, I came to and uh, uh, I seen uh, I seen no way out. I was hopeless. I didn't. Uh, I wanted to stop, but I couldn't stop. I tried and tried and tried. And the th thought come to my head that my sons 
we're going to be uh, raised by the state of California, foster homes and all those things that some of us go through uh, the same way I was. And I didn't want that to happen. So the thought came to my head was uh, I had a little uh, sawed-off 12-gauge shotgun, double-barrel shotgun that I had nicknamed Petey that uh, I pulled uh, armed robberies with. And uh, the thought came to my head uh, that warm July morning that uh, I would kill my sons in their sleep so they wouldn't feel nothing. And then I killed myself. Uh, I had given up. And I remembered what my foreman told me at work. So I called his house. And I, I told him what was going on and what I had almost done. And uh, he says, I'll call you back. Give me 10 minutes. I'll call you back. He called the, the, the plan I worked in and uh, got a hold of the, I don't know what they call it today, uh, that takes care of people that have to go to the hospital and all those things. Uh, and then he called me back and says, uh, we, we got a place where you can go. Our insurance covers it. Uh, I'll be there in a half hour. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I got two little boys that I'm raising by myself. I gotta have, find somebody to take care of them, make sure they get to school, and they're fed, and, and, uh, he said, well, how long will it take? I said, give me a few hours. I got a neighbor lady lived in a, a couple of apartments down from me, uh, Siegel, older woman, older than I was at the time, and, uh, she agreed to do it. I told her what, I was going in the hospital. I'd be gone for 30 days or so. She took my boys and and uh, and I went to a rehab center. And uh, I found out the disease that I have. And uh, I called uh, my mom and dad. And I told them uh, where I was at and, and, and what had happened. And they couldn't take care of my boys. Uh, so I, I asked the lady to keep them until I got out. And she said she agreed to. Uh, and I was introduced to AA and NA in there. Uh, my therapist was a female. And uh, prior to going in this... Uh, uh, rehab center, I, I uh, females to me were, uh, uh, I treated them and, and thought of them as a piece of meat property. And, because uh, that's the kind of people I hung out with. And, uh, my therapist was a female. And her name was Penny Hendricks. I can say that now because she's since passed. But, uh, Penny had, uh, I believe, 13 years at the time. And for the first time that I can remember, I listened to a female uh, share her innermost feelings. Uh, and she told me her story. And she also broke her husband's anonymity and told me about Chief, her husband. 
who I got to meet. But uh, I believe this woman, to come from where she had come from to where she was at there, a, a drug counselor, therapist, uh, I, I, I seen a ray of hope, put it that way. And I listened to her, and, and we had these, when I first got there, we had these little group meetings. There was eight or nine of us in a group, and and uh, me being a gangster and a tough guy and a biker and all that crap, I uh, I kept my mouth shut and didn't say nothing, didn't react. Uh, but when I was with my therapist, just her and I, I could talk to her. And and I didn't feel uh, ashamed because I had heard her story. And uh, that's how it started for me. That's when I finally got a ray of hope that there, there might be something here. I, I might be able to make this. Uh, make a long story short. Three days before I got out of that rehab center, there was a AA meeting down at Hogue Hospital, Newport Beach, and uh, they took us to the speaker meeting. It was a speaker, big hall with uh, probably two, three hundred people in there. And uh, the speaker, uh, when they introduced him, he come up on the stage, big elevated stage. We're looking up at him, and uh, they introduced the speaker. And uh, uh, the man spoke about what happened to him, what he had done. Uh, he spoke about feelings, shared feelings with us in a, in a total room of strangers. And, uh, and I identified with a lot of the things that he talked about and the feelings. So when a meeting was over, before the tech... Uh, would hustle us off to them white vans uh, to take us back to the rehab center. I asked him if I could go talk to the speaker. And he said, yeah, he let me do that. So I went up and introduced myself to Keith. Uh, told him I was in the rehab center. I'm, I'm getting out in three days. And they told me I need to get a sponsor. Uh, someone I can talk to and will help me. And... Uh, the first thing out of Keith's mouth was uh, what my drug of choice was. I said, heroin. He says, you ain't going to make it. He said, very few of you ever make it, especially at your age. And uh, he said, but he, he reached in his coat pocket. He had a sports coat on like I have tonight, except it was country western. It was cut western. And reached in there and got out one of his cards and he gave it, gave it to me. It was two hands shaking hands. And it said, together we can make it. Keith D. and the phone number. He says, when you get out of that rehab center, you call me. Three days later, I got out, come home. And uh, I called him. And I got his answering machine because he was a productive member of society. He was working. And uh, I, I told him I was at home. And anyway, when he got home, he called me. And... Uh, he said, I'm going to send one of my sponsors. The judge had taken my driver's license away for a year. And uh, he said, I'll send one of my sponsees over to get you. So he sent one of his sponsees over, who's not here today. And I believe he's still alive, but he's not here. He found God uh, and went the, went the religious way. Um, he sent Billy over to get me and... Uh, and he, they took me back to Keith and Sue's house. 
he took me back to Keith and Sue's house, and I met Sue for the first time, and uh, and uh, there was a little girl, a little teenage girl there, Simone, and uh, there was three, four or five guys, six guys, talking in the driveway, and, and uh, anyway, I got to meet him. Uh, out of those, I think there's, counting Keith, there's four of them in the room, counting me, there's four of us tonight that are, that are still here, but... Uh, uh, that's how it started for me. Uh, I asked Keith to be my sponsor, and, and he's been my sponsor for uh, 28 and a half years. My sobriety date's July 22nd, 1983. And uh, I've been in the prisons, like I said, and, and uh, seen the head doctors and all that. None of that never worked. None of it. And I've, uh, over the years, I've, I've come to realize that there's nobody that knows us better than another one of us in recovery, irregardless of what your program is. It doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, so who better to help than us help each other? Uh, I'm, I, I remember uh, uh, Sue, Keith's uh, wife, uh, was kind of leery about me. Because, uh, you know, she found out I was an ex-carney and we legally steal money from you and, and uh, all them hustles and all that kind of stuff. I knew how to do that well. And uh, so she didn't really trust me and, you know, uh, I was a heroin addict and, uh, you know, just things like that. I, I uh, like to say today, though, <laughs> that, uh, that I, I know she loves me and trusts me and I love her. She means a lot to me. Sue, uh, and she still does, and I know, uh, was sponsoring a lot of women. And uh, back then in the '80s, we had we called it date night, for lack of a better lack of a better way. And, and uh, some of us guys that was single, had, with some of her sponsees, that, <coughs> excuse me, that was single, <coughs> we go to the movies, <coughs> go bowling, do something together, you know. And that's all it was, just to have fun. And, yeah. and, and that's how I learned from Sue and, and her sponsees how to treat a woman, how to talk to them respectfully and not like a piece of meat. Uh, the women in these rooms did that. Uh, uh, what taught me to be a man, to learn how to be a man, was you guys, the men in these rooms, my sponsor first. And then I began to listen to other men uh, doing this deal. And uh, I'm fortunate. I'm blessed. I've never relapsed. Even though I, I heard something a, a few, oh, it's been a, two or three months ago, uh, uh, someone uh, had question about well, how do we know you haven't been getting loaded because uh, you haven't been here with the dog or, or as much in California. And... Uh, and you, and you don't know, but I know, and uh, uh, I and I haven't. Uh, I've been involved. I, I I got a job, a new job, uh, paid a lot more money, uh, and and that's all through this program. Uh, I learned how to be responsible, and instead of getting them instant loans, robbing people, uh, uh, I did what I swore I never wanted to do, and that's pay Uncle Sam a bunch of time card, and. Uh, I got blessed with a good job, and I traveled all over the United States. The company I worked for sent me all over the United States doing 
power plants and shutdowns and all this. I learned the millwright trade, and uh, and that's what I did until I retired. But I want to say this. Whatever state I was in and whatever city I was in, I always called the hotline to find out where the meetings were. And if I wasn't working 14 hours a day, seven days a week, I went to a meeting. Uh, nobody else on my crew, on our crew, uh, uh, was involved, uh, so I always went alone. And I and I didn't have to find a ride. They always send somebody to pick me up, take me to the meeting, and, and bring me home. And that was beautiful. So I met a lot of people. I can't remember their names now, but I uh, through the years of doing this, uh, I've met a lot of people. And 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 when I see them, I recognize their face, but not their name. And uh, and that's okay. My mind's gone. Uh, my long-term memory's gone. Most of it's gone. I still remember here. The first time I came here, it, it was called Kahuya in 1980, 80, the end of 83 or, or first of 84. And uh, fond memories. That's always stuck out in my mind. And uh, today... Uh, I, I want to get on with what's happening with me today. Today I'm a happy man. I'm content in my life. I I uh, I, uh, I try to. Uh, uh, my favorite movie of all time. Maybe this will help you understand where I'm coming from. My favorite movie of all time is Pay It Forward. Have you, everybody see that movie? In case you didn't know it, that was written by a lady that's in the program. She's got 27 or 28 years uh, sober. Uh, I found that out because I investigated because it was my favorite movie. And I just knew that whoever wrote that, scriptwriter or whatever, someone in their family or they were in the prog- in a 12-step program. Uh, so I, 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 I've dedicated my life after I retired. I retired uh, four and a half years ago. I dedicated my life to paying it forward. Uh, that's all I want to do. That is my life. I don't have any big deals going on today except for me uh, to get a day uh, uh, being the best me that I can be and not hurt another human being. And that was not the the man I was when I got here. Uh, There's – I want to give – I can't give enough thanks to Keith, uh, my sponsor, and and Sue, his wife. And and I got to see – it was beautiful. I got to – Simone came out here with her – with her children uh, last year, and uh, we got to take them to Circus Circus, them all them games and carny games down there. We got them some stuffed animals and stuff. Uh, it was neat, and uh, I hadn't I hadn't seen her in years and years. Uh, I, I I've been to, uh, since I've been back. I've seen. Uh, I, I went to a camp out with the with a dog last year, last summer, and I got to take my my dog here, Nate, with me, and uh, he loved it. And uh, we got to we got to come here uh, for this, uh, which is beautiful. You know what? The type of people we were before we got here, we're not supposed to be here, and many of us wouldn't be in the same room. Uh, but we love each other. We care about each other. We respect each other. And uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I I probably go overboard on that because that's not the type of person I was before I got here. 
So I, I, I overemphasize that. Uh, to love another human being, irregardless of where they're from or what they've done. Uh, and that was all taught here, mostly at the dog and with my sponsor. Uh, he, I, I can, uh, when I knew, always knew when Keith was upset with me or, uh, or he, he'd suggest something to me or tell me something, because back then we they used to tell him, this is what we, you either do this or, it's all on you. Uh, but when he was really wanting to get a point across to me, he'd lock his finger and, uh, in my chest and say, Listen, Ace, I don't know what the hell you're doing or what you're thinking, but here, this is what we do. So I, I took that as, uh, you either do this or your ass out. And, uh, and I'm grateful to that. That's, that's the kind of sponsor I had to have because if he, if he would have been a suit, and I have nothing against suits, if he had been a, a, a an executive or whatever, uh, if he wasn't tough, uh, I'd have probably walked over him, or I'd have never listened to him, and I wouldn't be here today. Uh, and and uh, I, I know times have changed. They don't do that no more. Now they pat him on a poo-poo and tell you, keep coming back, everything will be all right. Back then, you either did it or you're gone. Uh, because there's, he used to tell me, there's someone waiting for your seat, buddy. And uh, today I try to stay, like he says, I, I try to stay in the trench and not, uh, you know, the road, uh, the longer you, uh, you're you here, the road gets narrower. But uh, I, I've over the years I've learned to drive a little straighter so I, I don't veer off as much or as often as I used to. And, uh, and that's a good thing. I, I'm a human being. I still make mistakes. Uh, there's actually only two things that I I have uh, done successfully 100% since uh, I asked Keith to be my sponsor. And that is I have not relapsed, and I've never laid down with a newcomer, female. Uh, I haven't because I used to use women. So I, I like I said, I go I go overboard on that. I. I, 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 would, I don't do it, and I don't tolerate anybody that has asked me to be their sponsor do it. Uh, I just, I can't have it. Uh, these were taught to me. You, you hear what I'm saying? I was 37 years old when I was introduced to Keith, Sue, the dog, uh, the, the women that uh, have husbands that's, that's in the dog, and Al-Anon, and Alateen, and and now Narnon and uh, all that. I, uh, I was 37 years old, but I, I, and I was honking and sniffing. I was honking and sniffing all the time. But it was taught to me that that's not proper. So I try to be as proper as I possibly can. Now, all the other things, the steps, the traditions, uh, one way or the other, I've tweaked them over the years through my life, not followed them correctly. Uh, and, uh, but I don't do it as often or as severe as I used to, which means that's growth. I don't look back. Uh, I stay in, I stay in the trench. Uh, I don't want to do anything else. I don't need any big deals in my life. If I can stay, uh, sober and clean and carry the message of hope to other people that, uh, that want this deal, 
That's all I, I care about. That's my life. And uh, that's good enough for me. I don't I don't need anything else. I got a little pinch a little pension social security thing. That's fine. I will say this. Keith wanted me to he he mentioned this so I I got to back up again. I'm I'm going forward and backing up, I guess. Uh I I had 4 or 5 years sober and I was riding my motorcycle uh in Anaheim and uh Guy ran a red light and broadsided me, crushed my lower left leg. Uh, I come to find out after the police got there and all that uh, stuff, uh, I flew 27 feet. That was before the helmet law. I flew 27 feet and uh, didn't hit my head because I tucked up in a ball. But anyway, through that accident, <clears throat> I found that the, there was a vice president of Nikon cameras when it hit me to run a red light in a company car. So I got some money. I got a lot of money, and uh, of course I I did what lots of us do. I I bought three motorcycles. Uh, I bought one stock motorcycle and and uh, had two made, custom made one and restored a uh, an old one. And uh, I bought me a '64 Buick Riviera, dropped it to the ground, slammed it to the ground. Thank you, and uh, thank you, and uh, and a and a Silverado pickup truck so I had best of all worlds and uh, my parents were getting old my dad had retired and he wasn't getting a lot of money and I put my my parents through hell and uh, so I decided uh, without uh, saying anything to Keith I decided that I, for the rest of their life I was going to make it as easy for them as I possibly can. I paid their, they, they didn't have a house. They rented a house. I paid their rent, their lights. I bought my father. Uh, he worked for Ford Motor Company. Before he retired, I bought him a brand new Thunderbird of that year, 88 or 89, whatever it was. Uh, bought him a brand new Thunderbird and, uh, I just took care of him. I bought their, their, their grave sites and all that stuff. And uh, I'm doing my job traveling all over the United States. And when I was in between jobs, maybe 10 days I'd be home here in California. I'd come back to my parents' house and visit with them and all that stuff. Uh, and it stayed that way. My mom died first of cancer. And uh, I took four months off work, period, and I stayed with my mother and my father uh, the last four months of her life. Uh, and then I went back to work, and then my father got sick, and I came back and did the same for him. That was my amends uh, for the way uh, I had treated him for all them years. Uh, I fell in love. I met a sweet, fine, flat-bellied uh, female that had uh, 18 months. She had 18 months clean and sober. Uh, I met her the day she got out of the penitentiary. I knew I was in. I got some here. Thank you. I knew I was in. And uh asked her if she wanted to go for a ride on that Harley, and she said, yeah, and that was it. In a way, we, uh, we stayed together nine years. I, I left uh, California. Her, her family was from, from uh, Kentucky, <clears throat> and she, hadn't, she, she had been down uh, 
quite a long time, and, and she hadn't seen her mom in 12 or 13 years. She was a meth head, cooker, scientist. <laughs> and uh, so we, we went back there to visit him, visit her family, and introduced me to her family. Uh, I, I, I was clean. I was doing the right thing, going to meetings and everything. I had our parole transferred from Orange County. At the time, I had 40 acres right up here in, in Anza. And I got her transferred to Riverside uh, parole. She got off parole. Anyway, we got a travel permit, went back to Kentucky. I fell in love. It's all green. It wasn't the wintertime. If it had been the wintertime, I wouldn't have stayed there. Uh, I fell in love. It was green and clean air, no traffic jams. Everybody looked at me funny because I had big bells on. Back then we wore right on Harleys, we had them big bells on. And uh, they looked at me funny because I'm all tacked back and, you know, this city boy, as far as them rednecks was concerned. So uh, I came back here to uh, to California and uh, closed out my stuff. It moved back to Pikeville, Kentucky, which is right on the Virginia, right by Wise, Virginia, in that area. And uh, nothing got better. I continued working, traveling. We never got married. We just lived together. Uh, continued doing my job. And uh, about a year before we split up, before I walked away, I come home from a job. Been gone about five and a half months. <clears throat> Excuse me. Come home from a job, and uh, there's empty beer bottles and paraphernalia on uh, my nightstand on my side of the bed. And uh, we had an agreement from the from the gate out front uh, that if this happened, either her or me, the other one would leave. And uh, I tried to get her. I said, "I'll put you in rehab." You can do it. And her attitude was, uh, well, I only drink a little bit on the weekend, smoke a little marijuana maintenance, and uh, I'll be all, I'm fine. I'm not back in the meth and all that stuff. Well, needless to say, it got worse. <clears throat> there was a guy in, in Kentucky called Mad Mike. You may know Mad Mike. Originally from San Diego. Mad Mike was a guy I was talking to a lot. He had... Uh, uh, 24 or 25 years at that time. And uh, I told him what was going on. He says, you got to walk, Joe. Because uh, I told him, and I, and I meant it, I was uncomfortable in my own house. So uh, I told her, I said, look, if you want to go into rehab, then I'm leaving. And uh, she would go ahead. So I left her there. Uh, left, give her the house, left the house. The house payment, I put so much money down, the house payment was only $110 a month. Yeah. And the, and the tax, the property tax a year was, I don't know, 237 something like that. I, nothing. Anyway, I packed my, uh, uh, my stereo system up and all my clothes. Didn't have the three bikes no more, but I still had the truck. Put them in my truck. And uh, went to uh, Mesa, Arizona. And uh, that was it. Four months later, I had heard she lost the house. 
all the windows was busted out of it. You know, she had whatever she was doing. Anyway, uh, so I've been through uh, a, a pretty serious relationship. I've been through two deaths. My parents, well, actually three. I just buried my brother four months ago. My kid brother died of this disease four months ago. I came back here to California to bury him. And he was raised with me in the program. Uh, some get it and some don't. You know, I, 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 once again, I was helpless. And, uh, so I, I, I've been through a, a lot of pain, uh, but I've not used or drank. And I've been able to share that, uh, with my sponsor or, uh, other people in the, in the program. My youngest son, I have three grandbabies, three, uh, three granddaughters. Uh, the oldest one's 14. Uh, I gotta get them right or they'll be mad. 11, 8, oh, I got four grand, grandkids. <laughs> Chance, the last one, he's about three years old right now. I got three girls and one boy. And, uh, my, my youngest son said, Dad, why don't you, uh, you, you retire? Why don't you come to, uh, Vegas and, and, uh, stay with us? They had a big house. Five bedroom home in Summerlin. Uh, why don't you come stay with us and, and watch your grandkids grow? I said, okay. So, uh, I did that. I came to Las Vegas and, and one thing led to another. I got a little job and, uh, cause they needed help. My, my son, my youngest son worked there and needed help. So, I, uh, anyway, I got into that and, uh, then my son, my youngest son started drinking again. You know, wanting one or two beers after work. He earned it. You know what I mean? And uh, I deserve it. Uh, that's how it started. And then we all know what happens from there. Got worse. Him and his wife arguing and fighting. I said, I got to go. And uh, so I left him. I left my son and my my uh, daughter-in-law and my grandkids. I didn't leave Vegas. But I, I, I got offered a, a job as managing a recovery home, <clears throat> clean and sober living in Las Vegas. And uh, so that's, I go to meetings every day. I have a home group in Las Vegas called the Not High at Noon group. Many of you have been back there and supported us. I, we appreciate that. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, I manage this uh this recovery home, it's the only co-ed, check that out, from me. I was a mediator before I got here as far as women were concerned. we I managed the only women or men and women's co-ed house in Las Vegas. And I, I don't stand for no hanky-pank, and I don't do none of it. Uh, and that's, that's a big change from where I come from. Uh, Man, I'm getting nervous here. About time. Uh, uh, anyway, the the man, uh, the director of the the Factor House, that's what it's called because it's on Factor Avenue. So, sound like a good name, huh? Factor Avenue, Factor House. Uh, him and his wife uh, uh, moved back to uh, Tennessee. Uh, so I became the director of Factor House, and. Uh, and it's been growing and staying busy ever since. Some days I call Keith and, and tell him, man, oh, man, I just, 
this is going on, that's going on. He said, Joe, take a deep breath. Relax. People are going to be people. You know, and that's not what I want to hear, you know. I want to pat on the poo-poo, too. Just keep going. You're doing the right thing. And inevitably, that's, that's what happens. But I need that old attaboy shot once in a while. And uh, so I just keep doing what I'm doing. And I know if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to keep getting what I'm getting. And I like what I'm getting today much better than I was getting before 1983. I want—I'll close in one second. I want to read this poem to you. Uh, this means something to me. Uh, I hope. I hope. Uh, let me find my glasses. What'd you do with my glasses, Nate? I got him. I got him. I got him. <laughs> If one day, if one day you feel like crying, call me. I don't promise that I will make you laugh, but I can cry with you. If one day you run away, don't be afraid to call me. I don't promise to ask you to stop, but I can run with you. If one day you don't want to listen to anyone, call me. I promise to be there for you. And I will be very quiet. If I ever, I promise to be there. Oh, I read that. If I ever ignored you, you have my permission to get in my face. If I ever put you down or acted like I was better than you, hug me, please. But if one day you call and there's no answer, come fast and find me. Maybe I need you. Don't ever forget that. Through the bad times and good, we have each other. I'm writing this because what if tomorrow never comes? What if I never get to say goodbye or tell you I love you? Tears me up every time I read this, but it's so good, man. What if I never get to tell you how much you have made it possible for me to be alive today? You have touched my heart in a way that no one else could. And for that, I am grateful. Thank you.